Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt and Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. The H2O podcast is now available on iHeartRadio. Hello, hello. This is H2O. Uh, we are experiencing some reframing things happening here that Mr. Hunt is doing right now. Gremlins, gremlins. I am Timothy Harvey, and this is Mr. Jason Hunt. Hello. And, uh, we have a number of things to talk about tonight. We do, yes. And uh, Sci-Fi Snob, I am not wearing a red shirt. But I do have a red pen, so. Not sure that's the same thing. I know, but. Although we will be discussing a little bit of Star Trek tonight. Yes. Um, we unfortunately lost a couple of actors in the last week. Well, over the weekend. Yeah. It wasn't even one name of the week. It was just. Both of them have connections to Star Trek. Although one more so. Um, Sid Haig, the horror star, yes, um, passed away on Saturday. Uh, Sid was mostly known for modern audiences for the film he did with Rob Zombie. Um, and however you feel about Rob Zombie as a filmmaker, um, he certainly has developed a audience and a fan base for the films based around the Firefly, Firefly family. Um, so House of a Thousand Corpses, right. Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell, which is the one that just came out. Um, and Sid Haig, really, his his career was revived by these films. He's been he was in the business hey, for. Hang on, what you're looking puzzled over there? Well, your shoulders are like hunched over. What are we? Uh, Robert Roberts was saying that only your mic's working, and well. Are they both on? Testing, testing, one, two, three. I mean, you're getting movement here, Tim. But... All right. Here, let me look. All right, folks, bear with. You may not be hearing a word that I'm saying, in which case my talking right now is serving no purpose whatsoever. Interprets. Does it ever? <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, both mics are on. Comments from the peanut gallery. Yes. It's a good thing that anytime Jason talks, all I hear is wah, 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 wah. All right, folks, let us know if you can hear us. That would be grand. If you are thunk, 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 art this thingeth on. We are getting some movement on the board, but, uh, of course, uh, I'm not sure. All right, there it is. All right, there I am. All right, I see me back. Thank you, guys. It must have been... Must have been a weird connection somehow. All right, so... I think we've messed up Tim's single shot. Now we've messed up my single shot. That's okay. So, um, like I was saying, uh, Sid Haig passed away uh, on Saturday. And he was the star of a a lot of horror films in the last, oh, couple couple decades. And he he got... I mean, he had a career that was much, much longer than his his big horror career, which Mm -hmm. he just had. Uh, he, He died at 80. And over the course of a career that really started when he was a kid, um, he uh, he had he was a big man. He was six feet four, and he got big very very young, and ended up having some motor 
control issues. I mean, he was, he was, and so he took dance classes when he was a little kid and became a professional dancer at like seven. Well, he was a musician too. Yeah, he was a he was a professional drummer for a few years. Uh, apparently, an extremely talented one. I had on the the uh, obit that we posted today. Uh, there's a the the track that his band, the T Birds, got to number four on the charts, and he's the drummer on this on this track, and he's quite good. I mean, he's he's clearly a talented. Now, that clearly was a talented drummer. Not to be confused with the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Right, this was a completely different band. Right, this was back in the fifties. Yeah, and uh, he, but unfortunately, he also found that the <laughs> he described the music the music industry as being full of crooks and liars. And so he, so he was like, uh, this and, is my shocked face. And he, you know, and he loved being an actor. Um, and so he got a lot of encouragement when he was young. But he did a ton of television. He was a work. He was a working actor, and uh, a lot of what he did was genre work. Yeah. Um, and we tend to think of him as, a, and he's kind of like Leslie Nielsen. We all tend to think of Leslie Nielsen as this comedic actor, but Leslie Nielsen's career was primarily as, uh, you know, a leading man. He was the he, he was the hero a lot. Yeah, Timmy and the Bachelor. No. Um, Forbidden Planet. Mm-hmm. What else? What else was he in? Oh as God, he was and he was in tons of television, and he was all over the sure. place on TV. And 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 Sid Haig was as well. And of course, Sid Haig was in Return of the Archons and Star Trek. Now, what did he? Uh, he was the first Archon. So that 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 robed figure okay, with the cloak, okay, okay. yeah, that was Sid Haig, that, right. that really tall guy with a stony face, uh, and and he he got, for a large portion of his career he played the heavy because he was this big guy with this this very severe face. They kind of got typecast. Like he got that. seriously typecast. And so he actually left the industry for like five years because yeah. he was just like, this is all I'm getting. Well, it's and and you look at actors like him, Danny Trejo. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Kyle, mm-hmm. who played yeah. Jaws in the Bond movies, um, Carol Striken, yeah, who uh, for those of you who don't know the name, you probably know his face because he was in, he played Mister Holm, Loaxana uh, right. uh, yeah. Troy's butler, the very very tall gentleman, but he also played Lurch, yeah, in the Adams Family uh, movies, and then you had. Um, Tiny Ron, mm-hmm. who was another one, who's a very big guy and and stuff. Uh, it is easy to typecast those those sure. people as bad guys because they have the look. There's this one Asian actor. He's rather short of stature, and usually he's got the long hair and the handle, the Fu Manchu yeah, handle or mustache. Yeah. Brilliant martial artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just all over, and he was in. Um, Every martial arts movie that they've ever made, ever. But he's in Big Trouble in Little China. Right. And you look at him, you go, oh, I know that guy. You don't know his name. But he's in everything. <laughs> because if there's martial arts, usually this guy is the one that does all of the fancy stunts and flips and kicks and runs. Right. Blah, 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 and then this hero pose. Uh, Typecasting is very much a thing, and yeah, and it I mean, can be degree, a challenge. And to some degree, you know, it, it if you want to be a working actor, and if you're sure if you're a character actor, yeah. sometimes that sometimes that's okay in your career. If you if that's the role that you get, and you constantly work and you love it, and that's great. 
Um, but this is, you know, he did the the Six Million Dollar Man. He did Buck Rogers in the Twenty Fifth Century. He did uh, two or three of the different Lucy Lucille Ball incarnations of her shows. And he was the Ming the Merciless ripoff, right? Yeah, Dragos on Jason of Star Command. And yeah. you know, and I got to thinking when we were doing that in every I, episode of the entire series. I posted a I posted that photograph of mm-hmm. him from the title credit from that show, and it got me thinking we should do. Somebody on staff should do a retrospective look yeah. at Jason of Star Command, um, Space Academy, right? Which Arc Jason of Star Command was a, a spinoff, spin-off of right? Space Arc Academy. Two. Um, what were some of the other ones from that? that it was. Group? Uh, it was. Was it Filmation? It was Filmation yeah. Group. Yeah. Yeah. Filmation did some live action stuff, and uh, uh, James Doohan was in the first season. Of, mm-hmm. of uh, uh he played he played the commander of the base right yeah and he was wearing the same outfit that um jonathan harris wore jonathan John harris was actually was he to be, afterwards he was supposed to be part of the first season and i think there was an issue and i think he, so he came in the second season didn't he, he? Was, I, I, think, think, I think i think so. that's right yeah um and i always i'll always remember in space academy you had mino Pelus as one of the kids and he would always exclaim this word that doesn't exist it's not a real word but whenever he was amazed at something or surprised you know how spock has fascinating right yeah. right mm-hmm. you know those and you know wonder woman says great hera and and doc brown says great scott right yeah well this kid said camelopardalus i'm like what what is that word but it has stuck with me all of this time because it's such a unique construction of sounds and it's just okay that's cool yeah uh it's like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious it has absolutely no meaning at all except for whatever you ascribe to it exactly yeah Yeah. now uh i did uh sid haig was also in galaxy of terror which was a roger corman produced rather infamous movie Mm. with um certain scenes that at the time were terribly shocking on today's internet you'd be kind of like it's tame huh interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh but the special effects of the time were were uh it was basically a science fiction horror movie and uh in many ways it was um there's some some alien ripoff aspects to it uh but it had some very distinct scenes that carry that i mean have become sort of this iconic imagery of like right. low budget horror fiction science fiction um and some of and and sid haig was uh <clears throat> he had these throwing crystals that get turned against him and his arm gets severed and he gets killed by his own crystals and it's it's like this scene that you remember if you've seen the film and i don't know if i can recommend the film it's one of those movies kind of like if you see it and you're thinking well this is just Something odd, yeah, and 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 at times you're going. Somebody greenlit this script. Are you <laughs> sure? But at the same time, it has this weird kind of. I mean, it's something about looking at a certain type of filmmaking, and it was almost like it was almost like exploitation pictures because he he, yeah. he did several black exploitation pictures with uh, John Hill. He uh, did Foxy. He was in Foxy, Foxy Brown. Brown, and and of course, a lot of the black exploitation films. Were considered lowbrow at the time, but have have become classics of the genre. Cult status, uh, and and have turned out to have had you know they've survived in terms of people still being able to enjoy them decades later. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Galaxy of Terror is like that, but I'm going to say that there was a period of time where there was this whole lot of 
of science fiction films, extra things like that, that were sort of this science fiction, horror, sex, slash, right. gore things. Uh, and it was, a, it was a prime example of that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, addressing a few comments in the chat. First of all, thanks for the feedback on the sound. Yes, thanks, guys. Um, we appreciate that. Um, Los An- Robert Roberts, uh, Los Angeles, full of dirt bags. Surely they are the moral leaders of the nations. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to recommend something, um, and this is completely not genre. But I found this interesting. Uh, a man named Pressler, Robert Pressler, I think, uh, collected uh, a number of volunteers. And apparently he's done this in Baltimore, but now he's gone to Los Angeles with these volunteers and said, okay, we're, we're going to start picking up the trash. And apparently has collected 50 tons mm. of trash in Los Angeles in this in this effort so kudos to him you check that out um snob i've been a sci-fi snob i've been typecast as a fat person it's not fair robert ross says jason of star command never heard of it but he does explain exclaim anti-disestablishmentarianism whenever he gets excited there you go yes so jason of star command was a saturday morning live action what half hour thing? uh the second season was half hour the first season was part of a part of Tarzan? It's part of a mix. It was a Tarzan. The, tar- the Tarzan yeah, the was Tarzan, the lead. Tarzan hour. Yeah, it, Tarzan. It was an animated Tarzan, Tarzan. TV hour, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it was it a. It was Tarzan and Lone Ranger. Oh, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. Um, and it was like 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, I think, of an episode, something like that. Yeah. Oh, it was the. It was a quarter of the. Of the so hour. what started as Star Academy, Space mm-hmm. Academy, ended up becoming Jason of Star Command. They retooled the show. They got rid of most of the kids, mm-hmm. which probably for the best and um uh, although a couple of those kids in went on to have uh sure. some pretty good careers besides mino pelus who who was in um voyagers mm. which is the time travel tv series with john eric hexham right uh mino pelus also was in was on the little house of the prairie i think for a oh, while okay. did some, sure. some guest shots there and he was in and i remember this one TV movie that he was in, he played the bully. Mm. Gary Coleman was the oh, lead. Okay, and I remember, uh, was it? Um, she was in Benson. She played, well, she played the mom in in uh, 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 Who's the Boss? Hellman. Oh, wow. Hellman. I, don't know. I, I can see your face. I can't think of it. Yeah. Um, but they were in this, and it was a, it was about a Boy Scout troop, mm-hmm. and he was the littlest one, and he so so desperately wanted to fit in. Right. I think he was a foster kid, and everybody was getting on to him and just you know just giving him business, and they ended up getting stuck in a cave, and he was the only one that could fit through the hole right, to go yeah. get help. Catherine Hellman. Okay. Uh, so they were all there. So that was the that was the big, and I can't for the life of me can't remember what the. It may, it may have been called The Littlest Boy Scout. Mm. I don't know. It was a Gary Coleman thing. Um, not Judith Light. Judith Light was... Uh, Judith Light was the mom. Catherine Hellman was, I guess, the grandmother. The mom's mom. Ah, okay. she, she played Judith Light's mom. Right. Right. Okay. okay. All right. There. All right. Uh, Bartree, hello. Welcome. Thanks for joining in the chat. Yeah. Uh, and one thing uh, that I want to do tonight... Uh, as we go through our 
mm-hmm. topics and whatnot. Um, I want to, if you'll indulge us, I'd like to do an experiment. And it's not going to be anything that's going to affect the audio version of this, the podcast version. Okay. But it might have an impact on the replay oh, of yeah. the video. What do you want to do? Um, since we have monetization set in, we can run ads on all of our videos. Sure. Well, right now, monetization is turned off as we do this live. Mm-hmm. But sometime during the show, probably when we right before as we swap topics, right? Uh, I'm going to artificially insert a break because as as we're able to run ads, mm-hmm. we have different options. You run an ad at the beginning. You run an ad at the sure, end. Right, yeah, yeah. You can do little uh, lower third graphic ads mm-hmm. or whatever, or you could drop ads in the middle of the of the video. Right. And there's a number of channels that I watch where that stupid three minute squatch bar soap ad yeah, right, sure, drops yeah. in, and these ads are dropping in completely at random. Right. Yeah. And you're 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 on camera the person that's doing the video could just be right in the middle of a word what what culture you ever, you ever watched the what what culture it's a british uh uh video series mm. uh, what culture whatculture.com and they have a series like a handful of hosts who regularly do it's a list show right it's the yeah. top whatever and and those are all over it and yeah. and at well, weird those times are, those ads are all over everything yeah there's one for uh, and and they're they're clever oh yeah they're funny they're like dollar shave club type sure, right. sense yeah, of humor but they're three minutes long and YouTube is dropping them everywhere those and what is it Pur- the purple bed. Uh, is it purple? Cat- is that, I think it's the it's a bed com- or mattress company called Purple. Purple, yeah. yeah. There's that, and was- then there's the um, the sunglasses with the Which, with the bottle opener. In yeah, the, I mean, and, and you know what? These are these are clever ads, and they're fun to watch the first time. Yeah, I I usually <laughs> mute them and I go do something else right. with my video. Um, but these ads, and on in a lot of these videos where people have have monetized the place ads, these ads drop in completely random. Right. Yeah. But there's a setting. In the YouTube monetization tools that says, well, why don't you suggest where this where this oh, ad yeah, will okay, go? Sure. So what I'd like to do, not right now, but I'm just going to give you a heads up to let you know we're going to do it. I'm going to we'll run mm-hmm. one of our promos, right, or two, just to give it a break space, mm-hmm. so I have a spot where I can sit there and go, why don't you throw that three throw minute that Sasquatch ad here? <laughs> And hopefully it's just an ad and not a three-minute music video for whoever. I've else. seen those popping those up are, too. Why um, in the world, YouTube? Well, because someone gave them money to do it. That's that's why. Well, the the thing that that gets me is we're not getting very many fifteen-second ads or thirty-second ads. Yeah. They're all these long, long right, yeah, ads. So and even you know we're getting local inserts. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've seen right, there's right. a there's a, a law firm here in in the Kansas City area mm-hmm. that's doing those. It's not Dewey Cheatham and Howe. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, not Dewey Cheatham and Howe. He's just like you, except he's only on number. No, that's not. No, it's not Stu. Not Stu. 
Uh, but anyway, just I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that I wanted to because I hadn't had a chance to talk to you about it. Right. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, okay. I did want to. I did want to say the well, last thing about before we move on from Sid Haig is that well, we talk. We talk Sid. I mean, we're we're not anywhere. Hi, Thomas. Um, well, I just. I mean, there's there's for somebody who um, who left the business and then came back. Uh, he went on and became a uh, a licensed hypnotherapist, which he actually continued being, what even while he was mm-hmm. an actor again. Or I'm sorry, a certified hypnoter- uh, hypnotherapist. They're not licensed in in California. They're they're right. certified, and uh, he apparently continued to to help people um, using it uh, for years afterwards. But his career, uh, he became he became well known for playing uh, Captain Spaulding. And of course, we when we were out at, at TopCon, there was a, a gentleman walking around in, in the Captain Spaulding just like that, uh, yeah, cosplay. And it's a very distinct look. And in um, while personally, I am. Okay, so I'm a fan of Rob Zombie's music because Rob Zombie, uh, his his music is clearly inspired by movies. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just he's a huge fan of science fiction and horror, and his music's his music has always had this this infusion of that into the lyrics and and right. if you like heavy metal, he's a good heavy metal artist. Uh, I I think uh, opinions can vary, right? Um, and uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine and I had always had a soft spot for the song "Living Dead Girl." The music video is is, is basically the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah. and it's well, it's it's his version of it. It's very entertaining. The anyway, cat. Wait, the cabin of Dr. Caligari. The cabinet. The cat. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari is a completely different thing. <laughs> it, it, is li- is it, that the parody? No, there is there is that uh, the horror version. There version? is there. Oddly enough, because shockingly, there's a porn version. Um, Doesn't shock me at all. But anyway. Uh, uh, Zombie beca- Rob Zombie, of course, became a horror filmmaker. Now, there is a how you feel about his horror films is, and your opinions may vary. Seriously, uh-huh. I personally am not a fan of his take on the Halloween films. Um, I give him credit for trying to do something different. Those don't exist anymore. Well, yeah, right. they've essentially been they've essentially been shunted off into the parallel universe of of. Uh, of that's a nice idea, um, but his uh, uh, and, I, and House of a Thousand Corpses, which was his first film, and mm-hmm. this is the film that that really kind of uh, um, you know where Captain Spaulding was created, and 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 this is where the 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 really the horror fandom of Sid Haig, the modern horror fandom, really just caught on. Right, and I personally think House of a Thousand Corpses is really bad. Um, I just, I mean, it's, it's clearly made by somebody who loves the 1970s, 1980s style of horror films and, and, and which is, which is fine and great, but I just did, I thought it was, I mean, there's something about that type of, I have to like somebody in the movie. I have to sympathize with some character and I just don't have that in the, and it switches tones and it's, but anyway, it, it, it had, it, it has its fans Devil's Rejects, its sequel, got a lot more positive feedback from a lot of people, including a lot of critics, because it was um, much more a gritty, true crime, uh, horror, heavily horror influenced. But it was it was much more of a drama as well as a horror picture and a, and a true and a crime picture, and and it was, I think, a lot of people really thought it was probably, and, and I think a lot of people think it's Rob Zombie's best film. Um, which um, I would say personally for me it probably is. Yeah. 
Uh, and then there he uh, Zombie did several other has done several other films, and he's basically um, Sid Haig was involved with I think with pretty much everything that, that Zombie's done as a filmmaker. Well, he was in uh, this this most recent one that just came out. Right? Three from Hell Three is from hell. yeah um, has not gotten particularly great reviews. A lot of people felt like it was just going back to the same well and didn't have it wasn't different enough. Right. Um, Haig has uh, IMDb showed that he had four films. Uh, that he was attached to at his death, and two of them are scheduled to come out next year. Um, one of them is completely done, uh, Hanukkah, which is a um, uh, a horror film set in the Jewish community. Um, and um, Sid Haig is playing the Hanukkah killer. Hanukkah killer. Hanukkah killer. Okay. Yes. But uh, see, it, it seems like a missed opportunity. They should have called it Hanukkah. Oh, Oh, right? Hmm. You but know? They didn't? Uh but anyway, uh he plays the father of Send the, your checks too. Yeah, he plays the father of the main character of the film, right? Uh-huh. So um and I've seen some stills from it and you can tell I mean he's eight, he was 80 years old when he passed away. So, you know, this is a, while he's still that tall, he's mm. he's slimmed he slimmed down a lot. He gotten a lot more gaunt. Yeah. And and so it's a, the the some of the photos are kind of interesting. He just—I mean, you—you you get this vision in your head of Sid Haig after a while if you watch the films, and he's like this thin guy in you know the in the uh, a very severe uh-huh. clothing style. Um, and then there was—I um, can't remember any of the other film that's just come out or it's coming out. Uh, uh, Robert Englund is in it, and um, but there were two other films that are in pre-production, so I'm going to presume that that he's not that those are going to be recast uh, with him. Because so. as far as I can tell, they haven't gone to uh, any kind of uh, and now, work with him. Now I want uh, I'll give you a challenge since you're the horror guy more than I am. Um, you could make Hauntica, <laughs> or you know what would be even better, Hauntica. Starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Jewish family moves into the house. They find that it's haunted. By Nicolas Cage? <laughs> that's, that's how you do it, right? Then, then Well, what you, what you then have is they call up the golem from Jewish folklore to defend themselves. <laughs> and it's a, it's a golem versus Nicolas Cage. Junction uh, murders? Abruptio? Abruptio. Abruptio. Yeah, Abruptio is the one that, that I... Um, he was, I think he was at the stage where he was doing some ADR work or some voice work for the film. Um, so I think his, I think his principal photography, what it was, is complete. Gotcha. Uh, James Marsters is, is, James Marsters is in that, I think? Yeah. Uh, Cyclops? Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, no, uh, not James, um... I don't think it's Cyclops. James Marston? Marston. Oh, wait, J- James Marsters. Uh, yeah, Spike. Yeah. Spike. Right. Spike. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, gotcha. And uh, uh, he is... Uh, so it, it looks like a, a... could be, you know, it's, it's a cast of genre people. It could be a lot of fun. Um, or But, you know, it also seems to be not terribly a huge budget thing. Um, interestingly enough, that was the reason um, Quentin Tarantino had wanted Sid Haig to play... Um, uh, was it Marcellus? I think it's, uh, I believe it was Marcellus from Pulp Fiction, uh, the part that Bing Rames played. Oh. Okay. And and <laughs> Sid Haig, having had his experiences with television and short shooting times and low budgets, looked at the shooting time for Pulp Fiction 
and and the low budget and sat there and went, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and he regretted it uh, ever since uh, yeah. because it was like, oh, this could have been great. But um, um, when Jackie Brown came along, um, Quentin Tarantino actually wrote part of The Judge for Sid Haig. Yeah. So that was kind of the... The, the way he got back into the business. But there was a gap there between that and House of a Thousand Corpses where really that was the, that was the film that put him back on the, on the genre map and certainly uh, in, brought his career back. He made 30 films in between House uh, uh, Jackie Brown and, and his death. And he, was like a, he made like a feature a year. Uh, and he didn't do much television again. Uh, but he did uh, some of, the, some of the, the films he did were documentaries about horror and documentaries about genre films. So, um, rich career, rich career. Um, didn't have any kids. He was, I think, as far as I can tell, he's only been married once. Uh, and in 2007, married for yeah, 12 it, years. It was a recent, and, and she was the one who posted, and I ran across it really by happenstance mm-hmm. um, because we follow Sid's uh, Instagram account. Right. And that's where I first saw it. I was getting, I was posting some stuff up for ours. And ran across this that she had posted. He'd confirm, you know, confirming that he'd passed over the weekend, and it was unexpected. It yeah. was. Uh, it, what was it? Uh, he had a fall about a week or so ago, and um, the the post is the post. The original post is has been deleted, but uh, apparently he had a fall. They went to the ICU. It looked like he was recovering. Uh, but apparently he developed a lung infection while he was recovering, and that's what killed him. Yeah, uh, he had he he began to have trouble breathing while uh, at the hospital, and they took him over to the ICU, and he um, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, just he didn't make it. But he left behind. I mean, he left for for genre fans. He left behind a really rich career. I mean, his TV work, he made like seventy. It was like in seventy different TV shows. Right. And a lot of them were genre shows. I mean, he, he well, was and, in you know, westerns and science fiction and, and, and TV horror, and he was in and amazing my, stories. And, my familiarity with him was on the science fiction side, right. because I'm not a horror fan. I'm not, right. a, I'm not into that mm-hmm. much. I've, I've seen horror films. I've, I'll watch one every now and right. again, but I have to and that's really okay. want to <laughs> see it for right. a particular yeah. reason. Um, but, uh, you know, of course, you know, Buck Rogers, mm-hmm. Jason Star Command. That's where I know Sid Haig right. from, and um, yeah, it was it was a it was a surprise because yeah. this comes on the heels of the news about Aaron Eisenberg right. passing away as well, and that one hits a little bit closer to home. Not necessarily because it's Aaron Eisenberg and I had any kind of a uh, of a of a connection to him, but. He's he was fifty. He's our age. He's our age, yeah. and we had just seen him in What We Left Behind. Right, and I noticed then. He For those of you who don't know, he he played Nog in Nog in, in Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine. Nine, and did it really well. Uh, uh, when yeah. he came back, when Nog came back as a Starfleet cadet, mm-hmm. his story arc just took off. It's really interesting. Um, for when when the Ferengi were first created for Next Generation, they were meant to be considered to be a ongoing villainous character. Yeah, they were going to be the new big bad. And uh, audiences not, did not react to them that way. 
they were um it was the well it was the <laughs> well, ear, it was the ears actually it, Armin Shimmerman takes the blame for this he's actually addressed this uh, in in either interviews or convention appearances or something where he basically says it's his fault that the Ferengi are considered comedic because he besides playing Quark on Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. he was one of the original three right, Ferengi right. in that first episode that introduced them and they played them, and and Shimmerman admits he played them broad, mm-hmm. played them you know over the top, and as a result, they became more comedic characters than they were villains, and I think that's one of the reasons why they brought back the Rom. Well, movies. in all fairness to him, that's something that the director <coughs> should have. Yes, decided to to not have happened because that's part of the director's job is to go okay, that's funny, but I'm going for scary or creepy or disturbing or whatever. Right. But in any event, they they became these characters that when Deep Space Nine rolled around, there was a lot of humor built into these characters. And Nog originally appeared as this comedic character, and he was mm-hmm. the he was the bumbling get your friend in trouble for Jake Sisko. Yeah. You know, he was that he was that friend who you know it's like oh go you're off with Nog again this is going to end well yeah uh, and then the character evo- like like so much of that show the characters evolved and Nog evolved with it well and and when you stop and consider the age difference between Aaron Eisenberg and Sirach Lofton mm-hmm. who played Jake Sisko because Jake is a teenager mm-hmm. you know he's he's what thirteen fourteen years old when it starts. And Aaron Eisenberg was already an adult, right? And he is gonna now his his stature. He was only five foot, and that was the result of his being born with only one partially functioning kidney, right? And when he was seventeen years old, he got his first kidney transplant, and this and his second kidney transplant was in two thousand fifteen, right? And uh, what I was reading on StarTrek.com, that particular transplant, it only took them four months to find a match because he said, uh, I need another kidney. And he had a friend of his that said, oh, try try me. Let's see what Mm -hmm. happens. And she was a match, and so he was able to do that. And we don't have any indication as of yet on the cause of death for Aaron but the speculation is mm-hmm. that it may have something to to do with his kidneys, and we don't know that for sure. Um, nobody's coming out and saying anything about right. anything. Um, the first rumblings on social media, I started seeing some people, you know, wish him well. There are mm-hmm. my thoughts, you know, prayers because he's in the hospital, right? And. That was the majority of Saturday. I saw those posts starting Saturday morning. And it was, I don't know, 11.30 midnight Saturday night when we got the word that he'd passed. And his, his, his wife posted on his Facebook page, right. I think, is where that, where that happened. And suddenly it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. He's gone. And... When you stop and think about his performance in DS9, uh, and a lot of people were talking about um, Only a Paper Moon is the episode where he's 
hiding in the holodeck. He's on. He's at. He's in in Vic Fontaine's place, and that he just wants to. He just wants to live in the holodeck and not face reality. And Vic's basically telling him, look, Pally, you're going to have to get up and get out of here and, and live your life. He's like, I don't know. So Nog went through this whole PTSD storyline. Mm-hmm. And when you stop and think, because I didn't know anything about his kidney, kidney condition or anything right. like that. When you stop and consider how many times he must have faced some sort of life-threatening circumstance, I mean... You only have one kidney, and it doesn't always work. Yeah. And the one, the replacement one you got, might not be taken. I mean, you're you're staring death in the face pretty much all the time. Right. And l- looking at his performance in that light, you can imagine how much of his real life he probably brought to that story arc, and really sold it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. If you, you need to go if you haven't seen Deep Space Nine, you need to watch it. But you got to watch it in order. But when you get yeah. to the Dominion War stuff and you see what Nog went through, he became one of the strongest characters I thought in the back half mm-hmm. of the series. Well, and, and I think as an actor, you probably really appreciate the chance when a character initially you're you, you're brought on to do a character and it's very much a lighthearted sort of silly character and it's probably a lot of fun to play and then you know. But when you get a chance to work in, you know, really serious storylines, and one of the things that I think that Deep Space Nine did really, really well was show the horrors of war. Yeah. As much as they could on a network, on a, on a TV show that's got the restrictions of, you know, mm-hmm. network rules, right? Right. Um, but they did, you know, they dealt a lot with the psychological damage um, from, you know, that it did on a lot of the main characters of the show. And the moral damage. And the moral damage. Because, the choices you make. You know, you know, what what does it cost to win mm-hmm. against an enemy that will destroy everything that you stand for? And well, and, you know, and we, it, even, we got that with Cisco. That one, that one, uh, where he looks right at the camera. And he's like, "It was a crappy decision. I'm okay with it." You yeah, know, it's, it's 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 the wor- it's the worst thing I've ever done, and I would do it again. Yeah. And and of course, I mean it's it's a it's a confession. It's something you never get. You never get the hero of the show, the hero of the lead, the and of course it was very much an ensemble cast at that point. Yes, but yeah, but, it was. but but you know Ben Cisco was really you know the core of the show, and to have that character look at you know directly at the audience. I mean he's tell, he's 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 speaking into his his personal log, but he's basically looking right at the audience and saying, um, you know. I made a decision which is, on a moral level, on an ethical level, something I am deeply, deeply ashamed of. But it was the right thing to... It's going to save lives, and it was the right thing to do. It's an incredibly powerful scene. It throws back... There's a line... Oh, uh, there's a line on Next Generation at one point when... And it's early on. I can't remember what episode it was in. But Picard is talking to... I think he's talking to Riker. They're in there. I know they're in the ready room, and he's talking. Whoever he's talking to, I think he's talking to Riker um, about the right thing. What's mm. the right thing to do? And he says sometimes the right thing to do is not the moral thing to do. And Picard, of course, goes with the moral thing to do, right. not the right thing to do. And it comes back later on. But 
um, it's it's a distinction between those two characters where um, and and we see some of that with Picard later in, in like uh, first contact right, where he's yeah. doing things that he doesn't well and I think that I think that on a, on an even day when he's balanced would never even consider doing it well it's 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 the push it's the thing the choices you make in extremis I mean and and of course one of the things that this you know was distinct for Deep Space Nine is that right off the bat you're introduced to Cisco whose reaction to Picard is you killed my wife. Yeah. I don't care that you were under the under the influence of the Borg. I'm blaming you. Yeah. And that's that's really your introduction to the character is here's somebody who is antagonistic to the the, the character that everybody well, loves. He's not only antagonistic to Picard, but he's antagonistic to everything about Starfleet. Yeah. He I mean, doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be wearing the uniform. He's, he's done. I want to go home. Burnt and out. He's angry. He's in he's in pain. And you uh, you couple that and flip around to, I just want a good place for my kid to grow up. Mm-hmm. And now here we are on the space station at the back end of nowhere. And the only person my kid can hang out with is this Ferengi kid who's bound to get him into trouble. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the reaction, you know, Cisco's reaction to, you know, certainly... You know the for little everybody else actually, but but the Ferengi especially, it's like, oh great, mm-hmm. like this is you know wonderful. You know we've already got the you know these 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 corrupt uh, uh, you know manipulative uh, people here, and and my son's best friend, my, my <laughs> great, my son's hanging out with him, awesome. Yeah. But Nog Nog develops, and all, in fact, all the Ferengi on Deep Space Nine. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where they actually gave them. Deep Space Nine was great at giving character episodes, giving episodes to the to the cast that developed the characters in really rich ways. Yeah. Um, the you know everything about Garrick. Garrick you know, was a funny, which, fun character because he and one of the reasons he became such a big fan favorite was because they allowed you to develop this morally ambiguous character who somehow managed to be on the right side, mm-hmm. but you were like. Counting your fingers, checking your wallet, checking to make sure you haven't just been knifed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm, that and, and there's when, a bomb in your quarters. When or, Bashir asks him, you know, how much of it, how much of this, you know, how much of what you told me is the truth and what's the lies? And Garrett's like, well, it's all lies, everything, especially the lies or whatever that is. And yet you had the so, and yet you had the hints of that particular character. You have the hints of the fact that he is, in many ways, atoning for monstrous acts during the previous war. Well, and when it comes out that his father was the head of the tele, uh, of the head of the Obsidian Order, mm-hmm. you know, the which is basically like the Nazis SS, yeah, you know, the Gestapo, um and it 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 drives that home even more that he's making up for it. He's right. making up for the for the bad things. Um, one one thing, real quick, Robert. That let's let's try to keep it polite. We might want to put the chat rules up at some point here. So, um, name calling, not gonna fly. So, and 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 Robert wasn't calling us names or anything like that. He wasn't being rude to us. It was don't worry about that. But um, we want to keep it civil. We do. 
Syphilis. Um, so yeah, I mean the the you know the the evolution of Nog um, was a really kind of just a really powerful thing. There were a lot of things, especially in the latter seasons, where they allowed the characters to change and grow, and to have um, really interesting stories and to change. Yeah, because yeah, up until then uh, you, you you were just getting in when DS, DS9 came out. We were just starting to get into serialized right. storytelling and um, murder one for um, a long time. Farscape, uh, that sort of stuff, all was coming happen. Yeah, for a long time, Rick Berman fought the idea of telling a serialized story in DS Nine, and um, it was one of those things where they just really, really, really wanted to do it, and yeah. finally they they wore Berman down. I think is is the impression I got from the from the documentary. He was like, "Okay, fine." Well, and, 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 and after that, DSI just took off. It's, it's I to me to me it's one of the best Star Trek series out of all of them. Oh yeah, and and I think that unfortunately, where they where they could have and probably should have done that. Well, they and actually they were they were planning on doing it because what. Is, there was talk about having an entire season of Voyager basically be was it the year of hell, right? And they actually ended up cutting it down. So like, that story like two 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 episodes two episodes. Um, and and the idea was that the entire season would just be one story. Uh-huh. And and I think that that ended up being one of the weakest the weaknesses of, of a show like Voyager, where the potential for that situation for a starship to be in and tell something in a serialized way could have been really, really interesting. Well, I think the show suffered for it. You did get some evolution of characters as as we went through, um, even though Harry Kim never got his promotion. But you saw el- evolution of characters from all of them not, um, not getting along because mm-hmm. you had the... You had the the Starfleet people, and you had right. the Maquis, and and they didn't like each other and all that, up until the point where, you know, you introduce Seven Hundred Nine and Seven Hundred Nine's evolution of a character, and then you've got the Doctor's evolution of a character. They, there was a lot of that, right? But, but even but, the stories were not everything, everything altogether, right? And I think I think some of that evolution of the characters certainly suffered from the fact that it ended up being the weekly reset option which a lot of yeah. television does or did in those days because the plan for the maquis and the starfleet the the, the conflict between the two uh crews was meant to last longer and it, was, it should have yeah because it was it was meant to be this you know this tension that was to play out over time and the problem is that when you do the reset after a while you're like can't just keep resetting back to I don't like you, yeah. and then having the bonding moment at the end of the episode, and the next episode is I don't like you, and then having the bonding moment. At some point, you have to make the, and they have. I think they definitely went to that place too early. Well, when they did the Seska reveal mm. that she was a Cardassian, spoilers for a show that was on the air something something many moons ago. Um, I think that was the final. Okay, we're all going to get along now and you didn't really get very much in the way of starfleet maquis tension past that right um which yeah you're right it it should have played out a lot a lot longer than that 
Um, but unfortunately, with that story structure, with that with that episode structure, it's really hard to do. Yeah, because so, that I mean, was that was before DS Nine went full tilt into serialized right uh, story. And to some degree, some degree, DS Nine, because it was a less typical Star Trek show, they were able to take some more. They were risks. able to take some more risks, and I, and and it it paid off. I think there's there's you know a fairly sizable chunk of Star Trek fans who look at that as one of the best uh, Star Trek shows ever made. And I for good so. reason. I mean, it's it's certainly, as much as as much as I love the original series and the original crew and, and you know, my favorite Star Trek movies are the ones where they allow them to deal with the heavier subjects. I mean, as much as I like, you know, Star Trek The Voyage Home, I'm always going to like Star Trek The Undiscovered Country more. Because it deals sure. with, you know, the characters not only getting older, but also dealing with, you know, you know, Kirk's Kirk's inherent bigotry, justified to a degree by, you know, but he also the fact that, that he had he had that anger and you know he didn't like the Klingons before, you know the his yeah. his, his son his son being murdered by them and and but the thing is is that that actually makes Jim Kirk more human. Is that he's not just a paragon. He's, yeah. he's somebody who reacts in an the, emotional way. The thing is, uh, one of the things that has bugged me about that aspect of Kirk showing up in Star Trek VI, I can understand the Klingons killed my kid. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold a grudge. I get that. <clears throat> but taking it as far as they did... See, it didn't bother it, me. But it doesn't. It doesn't seem all that consistent with the whole of Jim Kirk that we've seen, because we've seen him interact sure. with Klingons before. Yeah, but remember that the last time his inter- his last real interaction with Klingons would have been in Star Trek. Well, assuming that you you discount Star Trek Five, which you should, um, but was in Star Trek Three, where David's killed. Yeah, and you have that classic. I mean. But Honestly, one, that, of, one of Shatner's finest moments as an actor in oh, yeah, Star it's, Trek, it's, where it's great. where he he steps backward and he stumbles. It's a be- it's a it's it's a beautiful, powerful moment, uh, and of, it's one that could have gone completely sideways. And yeah. they've even acknowledged that because they took everybody off the set, and Nimoy has even said that when when Shatner did this, it, you know, they talked about it. They talked it through. And Nimoy gave Shatner his head and said, "Okay, go ahead, just do what he, whatever you think." And Shatner, being Shatner, it could have yeah. been, you know, something completely different. It could have been. It could have gone into caricature. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It, it's a. It's a. It's a very powerful moment. And, and I think that's why, to me, to me, it rings true in in Undiscovered Country that there's always been that core of him. That never let that pain go, because Jim Kirk is a. I mean, it, it, over and over and over again, we hear that one of Jim Kirk's strengths is that he carries his pain with him. Right, the and, wolf. Yeah, and so the the idea that this this anger just has always been there and has never gone away, and then here's a situation where it's like it just bursts out. I was just like, and then yeah, and, and, the, and part of that is the scene between the fact that yeah, that scene between Kirk and Spock. Where you had these two old friends who you can say that you, you the one person you can let that out in front of 
because he's not going. You know, he's not going to let it out in front of his superiors. Right. He's not going to let it out in front of the general crew. But to Spock, he could say that horrible and, thing. And yeah. I would submit even that that only works. That scene only works because it's Bill Shatner and Leonard Nimoy yeah. who have been in these characters for oh yeah, you know, how how many. It, it came out in what eighty eighty. Oh, good lord! So when did when did Undiscovered Country come out? Eighty something like that. But uh, yeah, eighty eight, I think it was. And if if you tried that with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto, well, they it did. wouldn't work. They did, and it was it started in the darkness where they where they they the the. The storytellers of that film, the writers of the film, the director of that film, all I, they made a they made a critical miscalculation, and they 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 thought that ninety one. Oh, okay, okay, ninety one. You can you can because these are the characters, the character of Jim Kirk, the character of Spock. You can you can go to that place that quickly, but what Into Darkness. It's critical flaw, because there's some there's some neat sequences in Into Darkness. Note the, note the note the phrase there. Some neat sequences. Yeah. Um, but the but the emotional core of it is, is that for if you if if you happen to really and if you were a Star Trek fan who really enjoyed the the reboot and thought okay we got potential here, it's something to build on. Um, it it still doesn't give you you that, that's two new actors playing that part. You still have to earn. That emotional, and that's be, and and while the the chemistry between the two actors was good, it wasn't the chemistry that Shatner and Nemo had developed over decades. Yeah. So I think that you end up lose. You know, if if they had tried to go, and I'm, they shouldn't have anyway, but if they if they pushed, you know, if they'd made Into Darkness as a, the third film, a, um, I think people would have really enjoyed just. Uh, the third film a lot more, uh, which I think is the best the best of the three films anyway. Um, and in the darkness, it still wouldn't have been earned at that mm -hmm. point. Right. But it would have it would have been a lot more. Uh, the expectation that it might be might have been a, might have been more realistic. Not much. Yeah. Um, because I mean, in the darkness has got a, into darkness has you know uh, Peter Weller as a bad guy. Spoiler alert. Um, I still haven't seen. And he's a great, and he's a great bad guy. Yeah. And and his uh, his reason for villainy, villainy, is that you know he's he's he at least has some gray in his villainy. Um, and I I still maintain that that Benedict Cumberbatch Cumberbatch played uh, uh, Yoshim and not Khan. We, know, we we haven't seen Khan in, in in the JJ verse yet. We've we've seen Yoshim because I can believe I can, that. I can I, I can accept that as headcanon, even though I haven't seen Into Darkness. I've had no interest in. Because it. honestly, uh, the character is Cumberbatch plays the character of Khan, the character called Khan, um, in a way that is he's not doing Ricardo Montalban. Well, but he's also not he's not he's doing his own interpretation of the character, and and I think that honestly, to me, I can just like. I can see him as being Yoshi. That's, that's no. my personal headcanon. By the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sci-fi stops. They're spoiling everything tonight. Um, if you haven't seen the films at this point... I haven't seen either Star Trek Into Darkness or Star Trek Beyond. 
I I have to say that I honestly Star Trek Beyond is the best of them because the 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 writing feels the most like a Star Trek story. Right. It's got some problems. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting the uh, <laughs> the problems with the film, but honestly, and and frankly, the Beastie Boys bit, I grinned my head off when I saw it because it's it's clever. It also it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it it's a fun. It's honestly a fun Star Trek moment. Mm-hmm. It just happens to have a Beastie Boys song in, involved. It's, it's like, is it like the the uh, the boombox on the bus type of moment? Uh, uh, spoiler alert for the movie. Uh, basically, the premise is, is that they discover that that the uh, there's a frequency that can interfere with the the drone attack ships, ah. and it happens uh, um, the. Uh, it, it, it's a musical. It's music. It can be done with music, and the um, the ship that they are now on, because the Enterprise has been destroyed, because you have to destroy the Enterprise. It's the law now. Of course, um, had uh, a bunch of classic, you know, classical music on it, including old rock music. And and Jim Kirk's dad got him hooked on the Beastie Boys. So when they play this, it's like out of the blue. He's not expecting to hear this song. And of course, it's a callback to the first film. And um, they play it. And he's and the look on his face is just like, okay, I'm. F-, and it's 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 funny, and it actually it's a Jim Kirk moment. Yeah. And so when they start playing this, it's as the as the inter- as the it's not the Enterprise. It's the, whatever I can't remember the name of the ship. Um, it's tearing through this fleet of drones, and they're blowing up behind it. <laughs> And is there, is they're broadcasting this thing across the frequencies these things can get, and it's just a it's a very much a it's a it's a clever Star Trek. We found the thing to, to defeat the enemy moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about it's about the crew being clever, sure, which is very much a Star Trek thing. And and it's is it over the top and silly? Yes, but I I grinned the whole time. Now. Um, if they'd kept playing it for the rest of the movie, they would have actually solved several of the problems that they develop <laughs> in, the, in the later part. But they don't because it's it's, it's about the moment. Um, but it feels like a, again, it feels like a Star Trek movie as opposed to um, it felt it, well, it felt like it felt like a modern version of the Star Trek movies we got with the original cast, more so than the other films. Yeah, you talk about um, Shatner and Nimoy earning all of this oh, yeah. because of their history and stuff. We talk about Shatner's acting being a little bit over the top sometimes and, and whatnot. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> but Spock! When Spock! When you look at, to kind of bring it around back to, to, to Eisenberg for a second, yeah. he could have gone that way. Oh, sure. With Nog's uh, storyline, he could very well have taken it into melodrama mm-hmm. and gone way over the top, especially given the fact that playing a Ferengi apparently <laughs> makes you want to take things a little over the sure. top. Sure, um, that could that could have gone that could have gone south really quick. Well, and there were plenty of episodes in in Deep Space Nine where they allowed the Ferengi to go over the top. Anytime, anytime it was a Ferengi based episode, I mean, you know. They they lean into the comedy, but once once Nog joined Starfleet, mm. I, and and the the cool thing about the character there was that the people once he put on that uniform, once he you know committed to this, this is this is my life, this is what I want to do. The characters around treated the character with respect. It was oh, like sure. it was like we're not just you know they might initially have gone really Nog, 
But then they sat there and went, okay, this is what this is Nog's this is Nog's path. This is what Nog wants to do. I, I think it worked really well. I yeah. really like the connection that he had with O'Brien. Mm. That turned into a thing, and it was like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool, you know, because O'Brien is the curmudgeon, and you know, it's like uh, with Up, mm. you have right. you have the old man in the house, you have the little the little Boy Scout, right? Yeah. O'Brien, O'Brien, and and Nog. There you go. See, right now there, I want the right? fan art, <laughs> <laughs> right? Ma- uh, a cosplay mashup. There you go. Well, and I think I think I think Deep Space Nine did a really really good job of making a very disparate group of people a family, mm-hmm. and I think they pulled it off in ways that shows like Voyager just didn't. Um, and and I think Next Generation uh, would do it to to a degree. And I mean, it, it felt that way, uh, but I think Deep Space Nine did it more than any other show, uh, making this group of people feel like a family, uh, for good and for ill. I mean, because they fought, and and they lost people, and it was Deep Space Nine had a higher body count, character body count, than any show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, but then again, you weren't, you know, you the you weren't killing off your your main cast of the, of the original show, the you know Tasha Tasha Yar getting killed in Next Generation was was shocking for a number of reasons sure. uh, because nobody saw it coming. Except anybody that was reading Starlog at the time, right? Yeah, because apparently they spoiled it um, by accident. Well, and and it was an example of you know she was somebody who wasn't happy playing the part because no. it was the same thing over and over. Now, if she'd stuck around for a couple more seasons. And of course, they brought her back for to uh, to become uh, yesterday's uh, Enterprise. And, and I tell you, when she walked out of the shadows, because we heard the voice mm-hmm. in a couple of episodes prior, and like that sounds familiar. Sounds Who familiar. is that? Who is that? And then when she steps out and says, "Humans have a way of showing up when you least expect them," right, and yeah. it's her, and you go. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, okay, so uh, you you think I, I think Sid Haig would have made a really good Klingon? You know, I I think that um, he would have made a excellent Klingon. Uh, he would have if they had if he had been interested in I mean because of course you know ninety two he had that break from like nineteen ninety two, and if he had you know, really gone after that sort of thing or, or his, his agent had got him in, I think he would have made a very, very impressive Klingon on, like... So, uh, he, he would have been... He would have been the same kind of Klingon that J.G. Hertzler was with Martok. You know, oh, that, probably, that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Loud, that boisterous thing. Mm-hmm. Or or uh, or uh, Robert O'Reilly with Gowron. Yeah, you know that kind of just intensity. Oh, because I mean, I, I think that I think that he would have made because he was really, really you know so good at playing the heavy. The fact that he could he could have just stood there and stared, and people would have something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you look at the other the other people who played Klingons back in the day, Michael mm-hmm. Ansara, right. um, John Colicos. They were bad guys in other science fiction oh, yeah. films. You know, John Colicos played Baltar, and you had um, 
Michael Ansara was one of the people who played Killer Kane mm-hmm. over on Buck Rogers. Right. And the, it's it's almost you have this handful of people. And we've seen this in science fiction. You see the same people we've talked about before. Oh, sure. You see the right. same people over and over and over again. Well, back in the day, before science fiction was acceptable, you only had a certain number of actors who would work in science fiction. And so you had, um, you know, you had Sid Haig, you had um, uh, the guy who played Colonel Lynch in the A-Team. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what was um, his name? You know, there's several, yeah. there's several actors who showed up in everything right right they, they had a they had a certain they had a certain look to them they had a certain feel to them they were you could re, if you were a tv producer you could rely on the audience reacting to that that actor yeah. in a specific way and they built up a reputation and, and a, a body of work that meant that you know you had that because tv tv mm. movies are built around shorthand there's only you have only so sure. much time so there's something you know, well, especially back in the day where you had just that long to tell your story because there's right. not an arc it's just the episode yeah and nine times out of ten your main character is traveling or, or some not coming back this way again right yeah you know whether it's a, a planet that we're visiting or you know it was the case of, of star trek or buck rogers or Battlestar galactica even right um although um Battlestar galactica you have the advantage of having different ships, so somebody could show up like the uh, the three bounty hunters, the the gnome nom, nomads, the the ones who oh, had the, yeah, the bolo yeah. grenades, uh-huh, right? Yeah, um, and the guy who played the guy who played Major Lynch on A Team was one of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, he'd show up on all of this stuff, and um. What were those guys called? I can't remember. But anyway, they showed up in, in one episode, and then a few episodes later, where they did a gun on Ice Station Zero, some of them started. You know, some of them showed up again in a later episode somewhere. Um, but they were first introduced in the episode with um, Fred Astaire. You remember Fred Astaire right, was on Battlestar Galactica, yeah. right? Starbucks dad. <laughs> oh yeah, that's so true. That's... Yeah. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, let us throw a break right here. Uh, and here's what we'll do. So if our, our engineer will put up a promo let's run the salacious crumbs promo if it's in there all right all right oh wait i don't have any promos in here do i we didn't set this up um do it next week if we i mean yeah we can do that we'll test it next week okay we'll test it next week um because we haven't had we haven't had our coffee yet. We haven't had any coffee yet. That's <laughs> made, true. We made uh, we made coffee and haven't had a chance to go get any yet. Uh, I know we've been doing this for an hour. Okay, so Top Con. 
Yeah, TopCon, uh, we were just there this last weekend. Um, I was there Saturday, you were there Saturday and Sunday. Right. And uh, it's in Topeka, Topeka, Kansas. Smaller convention. Uh-huh. Um, easy to move around in. Well, and I was talking to Glenn Bartlett about it, it on Saturday, and, or, or on Sunday, rather, and he said that the Sunday crowd, the Sunday traffic, mm-hmm. was better this year, was noticeably better this year than it has been oh, in okay. the past. And he was saying that in, in past years, he's wondered why TopCon was both days instead mm-hmm. of just Saturday because of the, the lack of right. attendance on Sundays. Uh, but he said it, it seemed like the Sunday attendance was much better, even though it was thin. Right. But, you know, a lot of people were probably back at the other the other building watching the horses. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, come on, horses. Uh, but uh, it it seemed to be a pretty good convention all the way around. Not too many celebrity guests. No, they were like four, four yeah. or five. It's more of a it's more of a vendor yeah. convention more than anything else. It reminded me very much of the conventions of my teenage years in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was it it felt like the early days of this kind of thing where you would have. One screening room and one small stage for for panels and and literally there was one small stage for panel and one screening room and and, yeah, and they're all in the same room and so you're competing yeah. for sound uh, yeah and and the, we were this time yeah uh, but one of the things that got me it got me it reinforced for me uh, over over the weekend was the thought that. What we should be doing, since we're a relatively small site, is connecting with... Not according to TopCon. Not according to TopCon. TopCon called us uh, one of the Internet's most prominent genre websites. Which was very nice of them to say. And And I'll take it. We'll take it. We are. We are one of the Internet's most prominent genre websites. It's just nobody knows about us yet. Yeah. I would I would put our content up against anybody else's, uh, but the the idea of connecting with these smaller cons like mm-hmm. Smallville, right. GlitchCon down in Bentonville, uh, TopCon in Topeka, Air Capital Comic Con in Wichita, uh, Little Apple Comic Con out in Manhattan, Kansas, Branson Con, Vision Con. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if Vision Con is still around. Um, uh, they uh, the the truck. I can't remember. I one of them for for some reason I kept thinking Vision Con kind of imploded, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. I don't want to say that a convention is dead and if it's not, but I think cuz Branson it was one of the two cuz I think Vision Con at one point was in Springfield, then it was in Branson, then they moved it to Springfield again. And I don't recall what its current status is, but all of these smaller cons, Ozfest up in in, uh, mm-hmm. in Nebraska, and and these these smaller conventions, if we get this these connections made, as they get bigger, we get bigger, and we have this we have this the these partnerships with these smaller conventions, where we can start doing more of the streaming and broadcasting and the yep. interviews and the whatnot so as you're getting more more you know, po- more popular celebrities in the show gets bigger the vendors are more we're actually in there 
as opposed to being the outsider on the outside. What? VisionCon is next May. VisionCon is next May. Okay, so VisionCon still exists. In All right. In, oh, it's the, it is in Branson. Okay, so they moved it. I think. But the Springfield Expo Center. Okay, yeah, Springfield. Because I was thinking they'd moved it back. Because Branson Con, I think, came after Vision Con moved back. But there's mm. a there's a there's a, a convention in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Right. You know, of course, and you've got three. Oh, there's three in Cape Girardeau. Um. Yeah, and one of them's a. Okay. There's a new there's a new one coming in 2020 to Kansas City and I can't remember the. Um, well, and we've got the the one Cosmic Cosmic um, Quirk or Cosmic Con. Like there's Fountain City Comic Con, right. uh, Fountain City Mini Con, which is going to be next month, uh, which is uh, Barry Poole, mm. he formerly of Kansas City Comic Con, right. which is there and gone now, um, but. These smaller conventions give you the opportunity to make connections that you would you wouldn't right, otherwise yeah. be able to make because you go to something like a Planet Comic Con or a Salt Lake City or Dallas Comic Con. You can get lost. Whatever. Yeah. Well, you get lost, but also you can't go up to the celebrity and say, "Hi, I'm right. Yeah. I'd like to do an interview," which um, is one of the great things. Which is one of the great things we did at Worldcon. We really were able to walk up to these folks and say, "Hey, right, you know." Well, at Smallville Con, um, Katrina Law mm-hmm. who was on Arrow. She was on Spartacus. Uh, you, she's sitting right there. We have a we have a website. We've got a video channel. Could we do an interview? Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, uh, the kid who played Icheb on Voyager, Manu uh, Intrayami, okay. I think is his name. I can't remember how to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. Um, but he grabbed us. He saw we were walking around with a camera and a microphone. He says, are you, you guys doing video? I got a project. You, you do an interview? Absolutely. Sure. Let's do that. You can't do that at San True. Diego right. or right. or Dallas or Comic Palooza or no, um, you can't. New York Comic Con where you can well, you could probably do it with the comic book people. Oh, probably. You know, the yeah. artists and the writers and and the authors and you know that set, but you couldn't do it with any of the celebrities like right. you could at the right. smaller cons. Um I well, remember even even the early days of Planet Comic Con, you could do that. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, that's how we that's how we connected with Tom. Right. And, you know, in uh there was the one Tom year Kane. Tom Kane. Uh, there was one year we had one called um, XCon, I think. Con X was mm. here. It was just one year. They put it together and it and it. They were never able to do another one. It's tough. The fact the fact that any of these conventions actually yeah. come back for more than a year is. But at that convention, kind of amazing. We got to interview James Tolkien, who played mm. Mr. Strickland from Back to the Future. Right. And he was the he was the admiral in Top Gun. Mm. Um. And then we got to interview Denise Crosby and Walter Koenig yeah. and Bill Blair and Erica Eliniak. And it kills me that we couldn't post Erica's interview because little hands were running the camera. And there are times during the interview when the camera is not pointed at the interview. 
And as much as I tried to fix it, yeah. it just isn't fixable. I was able to fix the one with Bill Blair, mm. but the one with Eric Eliniak, it just it just kills me when we weren't able to post it because it was a good interview. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's great on camera, and she's very you know easy to talk to. And, you know, just go in there. But um, yeah, that that video is. Unfortunately, not salvageable. I, right. I, I, I wonder if maybe I should post it just as an audio piece at some point. Wouldn't just, be a know, bad idea. Just, to, just yeah. to have it out mm-hmm. there. But, um, but at Dallas Comic Con or Fan Days, one of the others, one of the ones that happened down in Irving, um, Laura Vandervoort. That's how we got right the there. interview with her. We just walked up and said, "Hey, we've got a channel. Is there when you've got a minute? If you've got a minute, mm-hmm. at some point during the weekend." <laughs> That's a funny story, because she says, "Oh yeah, I'm going over here to do the the photo ops. You, we'll do it right before that." Okay, I'll meet you over there. Sure, fine, whatever. And we did it in the photo op space, and the guy running photo ops was not happy yeah. because she wasn't doing photo ops. She was doing an interview when she should have been doing photo ops, and I think we almost maybe got her in trouble. But I was like. She said, "Meet her here." Right, yeah. meet her here. I, it wasn't my idea to do it here, um, but uh, you know, we've talked to a number of celebrities that way for right. because we were able to do that at a smaller convention, yeah. like TopCon. TopCon felt pretty comfortable for me, yeah. You know, in terms of size and traffic. Well, and, and people would come by, and they ta- you'd have a chance to talk to them, and they'd ask yeah. you about uh, about the site. And... and we actually got a few people signed up for the newsletter. Yeah. By the way, we have a newsletter. Um, you could sign up for it's a monthly newsletter. I actually posted one this this month. <laughs> Change hats, <laughs> um, and and we got this. Some of you may have noticed. Nobody's commented on it in the chat yet, but um, Brigade Bear here. Um, The booth next to us, yeah, was where they were selling the the chainmail armor. The mostly chainmail female bikini armor. armor. Yeah, yeah. He said his target audience was women eighteen and over. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, and, and now the roller derby, a, the, the the ladies from the roller derby group who came over. They wore some for a while. They wore some for a while. And that was kind of fun to watch them like rolling, yeah. rolling around the, you know, zipping around the, the convention center having, you know, and they just had big grins on their faces and they were having oh, a yeah, grand all the time. Fun. It was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, we have uh yeah, we do have a newsletter. Thomas being sarcastic in the chat. It's <laughs> Okay. We're, As we do, sarcasm is allowed. Yes, uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a monthly newsletter. Just basically kind of recaps. Here's here's where we are. Here's what we're doing, and and do that. We have if you go to our our homepage, sci-fi4me.com, There's a pop up that will show up that says subscribe to our newsletter. Yeah, and it's relatively unobtrusive. I mean, you can click off and, yeah. and turn it off, but. Um, um, Sci-fi snob says he already has a set of bikini chain pictures, or it didn't happen. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) 
h2o at sci-fi for me.com <laughs> is the email address uh it's uh there were some there were some fun little booths at TopCon with with some people who actually were creating things. I mean, it was yeah. not just you know they were they, there were there were physical things. There were there were a lot, uh, there was a booth of helmets that were all sci fi themed. There were, like, uh, and, well, and that that booth mm-hmm. was uh, is our our buddy John Clark, yeah, who is from the Kansas City area. He's back in Kansas City now, uh, making re- uh, resin. It's silicon resin or whatever. It's it's the step up, a step or two up from doing EVA foam and, and right, that yeah. kind of thing. He actually three uh, D prints the the model, mm-hmm. makes the mold, and then pours the resin for the actual piece. And it's mostly helmets, but he also does other pieces. Of and armor. they look good. Yeah. They yeah, they really, really do. Nice. He's he's really come a long way since. Yeah, there's some there's some fine work. His, he, he one of his first cosplays was an EVA foam cyborg. Um, what is that? Join my premium Patreon for the picks. Sci-fi stops. There we go. <laughs> Speaking of, um, we can show this this graphic. We have a subscribe star account um which i don't think we have anybody signed up on subscribe star yet which is fine it's okay but you know it's at some point it would be nice to have some people over there to to do you just go to subscribestar.com slash sci-fi for me right now the only tier that we've got set up is a five dollar a month tier yeah uh so that's uh that's a thing. We 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 talk. We we've talked uh, about you know doing the uh, coming up with with different levels, and we we have ideas, and then we 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 keep getting the well the 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 other thing, our Indiegogo campaign draft yeah. has expired. So, we so we'll have to back. redo that. Um, and we've got some really cool things available in those tiers for the Indiegogo. Yeah, it's just you know putting all of the rest of the tiers together just working all of that stuff out yeah. um we did we need to come back to that discussion that we we got so far in mm-hmm. and then we sort of just went yeah other things so yeah and and no uh there are no bikini chainmail armor picks with uh subscribe star or indiegogo but now we have a model we That's have a bear true. we have a bear with chainmail on and um, we well we also have a cosplay a uh, place you can find cosplay pictures, not uh-huh. necessarily of our staff in doing cosplay. Yeah, uh, Pinterest.com slash sci-fi for me. It's all cosplay all the time. And it is, uh, there's a photo gallery there for you to see mm-hmm. lots of different cosplays. Did you guys get any, any cosplay diary stuff? We did stuff? not. We what? didn't okay. get any. there. I didn't see, we saw a few cosplayers. There were a few, but there weren't. But um, not a lot. No, and the costume contest was on Saturday. Mm. And there was a really good Boba Fett. The pet cosplay contest was on Sunday. The pet cosplay? Pet cosplay. If you look at our Instagram account, if you look at Instagram, you'll see a photograph of Ranger, the German Shepherd who was cosplaying as Captain America. Oh, okay. And that was a good... A good yeah, the, the winner, I think the the audience choice, the, the fan favorite of... The costume contest was Aladdin. Yeah, the little kid. With, little and he was like, you know, three feet tall, and he had a little stuffed 
monkey with him, and it was adorable. And I mean, clearly, clearly, he you know he was cheating by just being terribly, terribly cute, and just yes. and then just you know knowing how to use the terrible cuteness against the audience as they do, as they do. Uh, but it, the, some of the costumes were were kind of fun. I mean, there were some there were some. There I weren't saw, that many. I saw a stormtrooper. I saw a Rob Liefeld Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 Jean Grey was actually really pretty good. Saw um, a couple of Dark Phoenix, mm-hmm. Spider Man, Stanley, of course. One of the one of the ladies who was helping run the con was doing. Yeah, dark, she was Dark was, Phoenix. Dark and, Phoenix, and she stopped. She by. was dressed as Captain America on Sunday. Oh, okay, she's yeah, yeah. She stopped by, and she goes, you know, underneath underneath this costume, I'm actually, you know, if you need anything, just over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it was a I think it was a good it was a good convention. Yeah. It was their sixth year, mm-hmm. um, and my understanding is it's the first it's the first one inside that particular hall. Yeah, because I think before it was at the hotel next to the expo center. So um, that that's a good sign. They're getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I if I had one thing that I would I would hope to see next year is. Maybe finding a way to have the the video area and the yeah um, we were we were doing we our, were fighting that we were fighting that but at the same time you know um, hey they had folks doing panels they didn't have very many but they had panels and yep. they had they were showing some some video stuff and and good for them I mean it was like I said it reminded me very much of the stuff that I was going to back when I was a teenager and that actually is not a bad feeling because. They were, they were, you could talk to people. They were, they were more intimate. They didn't feel, and you know, yeah, they're commercialized, but yeah. you didn't necessarily sit there and go, all I'm doing is looking at. Well, and they're not paying $50 for an autograph and standing in line for 45 minutes. No, uh, the food lines were definitely short, but the food prices were the same. So, I mean, <laughs> it was, it is very much, it's, it's a, con, it's, it's convention pricing for sure. food. Um, but, yeah. uh, uh, the lines were a lot shorter, which was super nice. I would like to see um, some of the bigger A-list, quote-unquote, A-list celebrities doing the smaller conventions. Oh, sure. And I know that's a challenge because of the fees involved, mm-hmm. but I don't see where you couldn't do... Planet Comic Con, um, Wizard World, St. Louis, and then do Smallville, and yeah, you know, I'm sure I'm sure some of them and do, do a reduced rate on the on the smaller. I'd be really I'd be really ones. surprised considering how many some some of these folks are really our genre fans themselves. I'd be surprised if some of them aren't. But if uh, be, imagine Stephen Amell, for example, mm-hmm. at TopCon. Oh, we would just line at the door. Yeah, it had a great response. Or Neil Gaiman. Yeah, I think. Well, I think that if you if you get to the point for a lot of these cons, if you uh, you're you hope that you get to the point where you can have one of those people there because they will drive attendance, which means that next year you can be bigger because you drove attendance. Right. Uh, so you know, I mean, I think and that's that, a that's a tricky line. Though. It I mean, is. You got to be real careful where is. where that is because. Uh, as we've seen with a lot of the other conventions that have gotten bigger, and some conventions have gotten too big for their britches, it's all Hollywood. Yeah, and I think you also have to bear in mind that that just because you got that reaction 
with this guest this one time, you don't overreach the next year. Yeah. By getting somebody who, you know, and, and it's, it's a logical thing is that, Hey, we got this kind of response. Let's, you know, get this other person. And sometimes it doesn't work out the way you want it to. And I think that unfortunately, uh, uh, several of the cons that have come and gone have, you know, they, they had more than they could chew. They bit off more than they can chew. And unfortunately, I mean, it's really, really easy to do with conventions. They are, Science fiction fantasy conventions are kind of designed to lose money. We had... They really are. ...a very brief conversation at one point, I remember, about... It was, was it after Worldcon where we talked about setting up our own award mm-hmm. and possibly looking at organizing a convention around the award? And I thought... After about, I think it was just maybe a five minute conversation. We were like, "Yeah, nope, not going to be worth it." Nah, yeah, at all. it's it's there's so many there's so many moving parts. There's so many things that can go wrong, and there's so much time you end up. And I actually helped run one of the conventions in Wichita a million years ago um, as a volunteer, I was just mm-hmm. working with the. Um, but I was in on the planning meetings and and had a lot of you know but and it was a lot of work us in the back of the back office at Prairie Dog Comics back in yeah on the on the far west side of Wichita where there wasn't much on the west side of Wichita so excuse me okay um, Jason's yawning I think, uh, I think well I think we're wrapping down here <laughs> it, well and I apologize it, no it's fine I had we had we had TopCon over the weekend and then uh, last night. Uh, and the reason we didn't have uh, Chillin' with Pineapple was because I was down in Sprint Center mm-hmm. doing loadout for the Jonas Brothers. It's, that, a, it's a living. That, that's a thing. Well, and tomorrow and 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 tomorrow morning, I've got an early morning with uh, the company that I work for. We're doing a training over at Nonprofit Connect here in Kansas mm-hmm. City, which is an organization that. Connects a lot of the Kansas City nonprofit world, and they're fantastic. We love doing yeah. this, but it's I got to get there early because it's going to be a crowd. Yeah. I got to I got to set up. There was recording there was a pretty the, recording good the crowd training. last last night. It was you know a very enthusiastic crowd. Oh well, sure, they have especially their fans. when the pyrotechnics go off. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I can name drop because as we're standing there waiting for the show to be done, so we can start tearing everything apart. Here comes Patrick Mahomes with his crew all coming in. They were apparently, apparently the Jonas Brothers went to the Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh huh. And Patrick Mahomes went to the Jonas Brothers concert well, and there took you some go. friends of his. And he's shorter than I thought he would be. Hmm. Um, that's okay. I was as I was looking at, I was just looking through. Look. Those of you who don't know, Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. As I was doing, as I was writing the the obit for for Sid Haig today, I was I was like, "How tall is he?" No, and I was like, "Oh, he's six four. And then immediately below on the internet, it said there had you know people also look for how tall is Rob Zombie, <laughs> and Rob Zombie is an inch taller than I am. I am five nine. No, and it's another one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, yeah they they look bigger in their in, on in their in, yeah. you know on, on TV when I was in. High school. A friend of mine and I went to a Dallas Symphony concert, mm-hmm. and uh, as we're walking in, she and I are walking in front, in front of us, a little ways down the way. I see Roger Staubach, mm. 
Now, when I was in high school, this is back in the late 80s, Roger Staubach, in Dallas, Roger Staubach is still a, a pretty much an institution. Oh, yeah. People would love for him to run for office. He's been in real estate for mm-hmm. ever since he got out of, uh, out of football. He was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. He's the quarterback. Yeah, you know, if 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 I have to sit and talk football, right? Yeah, every quarterback gets compared and measured by Roger Staubach as the standard. It's kind of like it's kind of like from from when I was a kid talking about the the Kansas City Royals. It was the it was the Royals team of the seven late seventies early eighties. Uh, that was that team. It was, yeah, you know. and and that has actually led to a couple of conversations about because I I at one point I said well, maybe we get. Maybe we get jerseys. Everybody gets their own number, you know. And there apparently is going to be a fight over number twelve because <laughs> somebody else decided that's her number. I was like, no, no, no. Twelve is the quarterback. You can have number eleven. Okay, or number we, seven. We we need to get the 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 battle blades from uh, Star Trek, and we'll get the music, and we'll film it. Yes, yes. Ta-da! Lerpa and the Unwoon. That's right. And I think that'll be just... But that would be kind of fun to have That'll be one of our our, uh, uh, Indiegogo uh, tiers. And then we get cheerleaders (laughs) in the chainmail bikinis. That'd be our cheerleading squad. I am on board with this plan. Right. Yes. Uh Yes. And then the mascots. And and in that particular instance, I think, Mrs. Boss, you could have your dog dress-up day. If we get jerseys, if we have a team to do whatever, because we could do, you could do softball game, you could do you charity could. softball sure, game, right, yeah, charity yeah. football, mm-hmm. whatever, bowling you know, or, or, flag or football, whatever, or, yeah, yeah sure. whatever, raise money for a local charity. We could go up against Elite Comics and their their crew. There you go. Yeah, go go bowling. Yeah, but we can wear our shirts. Sure, right. And I'll have number twelve <laughs> because I'm the quarterback. Assuming you assuming you win the the climactic battle. I mean, you know, <laughs> she's wily. <laughs> she's also lame. Well, there's, yes, there's the, uh, I want to sleep on the right couch now. tonight, don't you? <laughs> all I have to, all but, I have to do is is drop a dog on her foot. Well, the dog, the dog drops on her foot anyway. Well, you know this. This you know what this means, though, Mindy. It means you just have to cheat better. See, there yeah. you go. All right. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> on that note, we will wrap up uh, this this conversation. Um, this is one hundred ninety six. Wow, we have four left before we do two hundred. We're just down to four. So, what are we going to do for episode two hundred? What do you guys want for want us to do for episode? Yeah, be reasonable. There will be we've yeah. we've had this discussion. No Sailor Moon costumes. No big no 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 uh, uh, chainmail bikinis. Now, no. If, you, if you're going, if you want to see Tim dressed up as Sailor Moon, you can drop a super chat for about a thousand dollars. We went down. Well, five thousand dollars. All right, five thousand dollars in a super chat at. Anybody I, else who wants to give us money, you don't have to give us five thousand, but you could still use the super chat function and just give us money. But um, and and again, you know, while, while Thomas is pillow fight to the death, <laughs> the death of the pillow. You know, I was going to say definitely the death of the pillow. We get pillow. Unfortunately, we don't want to do that here because we'd be finding pillows 
in like books yeah. and and crannies yeah, and all sorts of things. Mess. Um, well, and the coyote in the back is already ripping apart the 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 stuffed Smurf. I mean, there's right, stuffing yeah. all over the place there. So, <laughs> so I you won't get me in a Sailor Moon costume at all. We've had this discussion. I I basically my back my background is is more in acting than Jason's is, and I uh, I have very little. You've done the theater thing. I've done the theater thing. I have no problem. Uh, I've well, done it, but it's not. I I prefer. To be behind the camera sure. as opposed to performing. I don't. Uh, I don't. Camera, so. I, I, the entertainment value for other people would probably be a lot of fun to get. You know, I'm, and I don't have. It. It. It, it wouldn't bother me as much. <laughs> I'd probably the 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 fact that the pictures would be lurking around forever would be probably a little annoying, but it still it'd be the again it'd probably make people laugh. As long so. as you don't run for public office. Wasn't planning on it. <laughs> on the other hand, um, you know, uh, I'm sure that there's a constituency for that as well. So. And there's probably already an embarrassing picture or two out there, right? Of me, I would imagine. I can <laughs> several that I find embarrassing. I don't know if anybody else would find it embarrassing. I I've got. I've got one from when I was about five or six, I think, that my parents have that I hope never sees the light of day. My my uh, my wife would desperately love to see it, but I have connections. We I, hopefully she'll never see it. There it involves is, barbecue. I'll say that there is a photo, and and I think it's 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 gotten to the point where I think it's cute, but. There was of me, and of course I was a I was a little kid in, in the early seventies, you know. So it's like me and in, in brown corduroy bell bottoms. Oh yeah, and well that was a thing. Back it was then. a thing back then, uh, and it was, you know, it's like oh god, that's that just looks so sad, but it's also kind of cute, and it's a very much of of its time. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's something. I'm sure there are photos from college that, <laughs> on one hand, are probably embarrassing. On the other hand, be like, oh, I remember that night. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta I'm, own it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's <laughs> gonna wrap it up this time. Next week, two things. Next week we will do the great advertising experiment. Sure. Yep. Well this this gives everybody plenty of warning. Number two, next week is Bring a Friend Day. So those of you who are regulars uh, I would ask, and it's certainly not a requirement. Uh, there's no way we could enforce it even if it was, but um, I would ask that you share our show with other people, and maybe we can get some more people watching the show uh, during the live stream. And, and if not, then they can watch it in the replay, and that's fine too. So, um, all right, so that's going to do it for us here. Well, okay. That's assuming that you have friends to bring, but, you know, I'm assuming that you've all got at least one that you But no pressure. But no, no pressure, pressure. No pressure. No pressure. It doesn't no pressure. have to be. You just put the, put the thing out we'd, there. We'd, li we'd like you to. And you could, like we, we're, we're happy to have you guys just by yourselves. That's yes. fine, too. We're, we're happy to have you guys who are even involved in the chat and, and watching us at all. Yeah, so. in episode 200, we're... We've got to do something special for two hundred. We've talked. We've no talked idea. about things like you know, uh, and ask me anything. We've talked about there's there's other things we can do. But I mean, if there's you know the legitimate you know yes, it would be very very fun to, funny to watch us do a pillow fight. It would be very, very funny to you know for me to be in Salem. I mean, whatever it is, these are all uh, funny things. But 
you know, seriously, think about guys what we can what we can do to celebrate the fact we've done two hundred episodes. That would be cool. And we do have it out there that once we get to fifteen hundred subscribers on our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. we will do a live Q and A with Tom Kane. Right. He has agreed to do that. So you know, there'll be some logistics involved in that, but once we get to fifteen hundred subscribers and we sustain it for a little bit, yeah. And if you're and if you're new to the show and, and and you don't recognize Tom Kane's name, he's the voice of Yoda. He's been the voice of just about every superhero you can imagine at this point. Um, he's he, also the, our voice. You hear him at the very beginning of the show. You'll hear him at the very end of the show. Right, and he's done he's done voice work for uh, a lot of our shows. He's still he's the voice of Zompocalypse Now that I do with Dustin Adair. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's a and he's and he's a really great guy. Yeah, we 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 enjoy Tom as a person as well as his amazing talent. So. Yes. Okay. Thanks very much for watching, folks. If you're watching on the replay, uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, and if you are listening to us on uh, your podcast player, uh, you're more than welcome to join us for the live stream on YouTube and Twitch every Monday night at eight. And we will do this again next week. Thanks very much for uh, for being with us, folks. Thanks, guys. Copyright 2019 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.